10-3 is brought to you by Callaway. Just like a podcast, my golf game needs a good start, and if you're anything like me, you know how much a good driver can up your game. That's why you need Callaway's new Epic Flash driver with Flash Face technology. It's shattering the idea of how fast a driver can be. It's Callaway's first ever driver face engineered with artificial intelligence. What's that mean? Using machine learning, Callaway's supercomputer, yes, they have one of those, was able to test, refine, tweak, and retest over 15,000 different faces to find the fastest one. That's flash face technology. Learn more at callawaygolf.ca. As Canada's telecoms companies look to start building out their newest wireless networks, one company that has a huge stake in having its equipment involved is making a huge PR push. Chinese wireless giant Huawei has been under much scrutiny over security concerns and its ties to the Chinese government. It has launched a major charm offensive as it seeks to have its infrastructure as part of the 5G network in Canada. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10.3. We look at whose minds Huawei is trying to change, how much urgency there is, and what the concerns are about the company. One note before we get to our conversation, you can get every episode of this show right to your smartphone or tablet if you subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. Emily Jackson is a business reporter for the Financial Post. She's also the host of Post Media's new business podcast called Down to Business, which premieres on April 24th, and you can check out the trailer in the feed for this show right now. So, Emily, Huawei has kind of had... Not the best run of press in Canada in recent months. Uh, there's been talk about uh, the extradition uh, hearing that is going to get going for one of its top executives, Meng Wangzhou, who is detained by Canadian authorities on an extradition request from the United States government related to uh, breaking sanctions against Iran. But there's also the concern about building out our telecommunications network for uh, fifth generation technology and they wanting to play a role and concerns about our cybersecurity. So you actually spent some time in China looking at how they're trying to, I guess, rehabilitate their image in Canada. What can you tell me about that? When it comes to Huawei's image, you know, they have been kind of a behind the scenes operator for the past 30 years. They have gone out of their way actually not to speak to the press and not to take an active role in telling their story, just trying to let their equipment speak for itself. And Huawei does have great equipment. It um, it has grown astronomically in the past 30 years. When, it, when we were building 2G, 3G networks, it was a player, but it was considered to be, you know, cheaper, not necessarily as good value. Then when it came to 4G, Huawei's equipment is is up up right up there with its competitors. Now, though, mm -hmm. as we move into 5G networks, the problem is that there have been a lot of negative headlines about Huawei and the fears that the Chinese government could be involved with its equipment. The Americans have effectively banned Huawei from its network, and it wants its Five Eyes partners, including Canada, to do the same thing. They're afraid that the Chinese government could potentially plant back doors of sorts into the equipment that would enable the government to spy. Now, there's been no evidence this has been done thus far, but Huawei is, is kind of under a lot of pressure. It's facing a lot of heat over these security fears. 
So they've had their equipment kind of their infrastructure in our wireless networks for some time. When did they start becoming a concern for governments like the United States and even some in Canada? So they've been in Canadian networks since 2008. And it's actually kind of interesting. The Canadian government has always been a bit concerned about security concerns when it comes to dealing with a company. It is a private company. Its structure isn't necessarily as transparent as a public uh, North American company would be. So as as early as 2013, the Canadian government actually set up these independent centers that are testing Huawei equipment for these so-called backdoors. So we already have quite a significant infrastructure in place to test Huawei's equipment specifically to make sure it is following the rules. It hasn't been very well publicized, though, so the government was kind of doing this behind the scenes already. In the United States, concerns have been around since about 2012. There was a big investigation into Huawei because Huawei wanted to enter the U.S. market. And they said, Mm -hmm. you know what, go ahead, investigate us, see what you come back with. And the American investigators didn't find any direct evidence of spying by the Chinese government. However, they did find a company that was reluctant to open up. And it's been since this this 2012 report in the US that said, no, we're not going to do business with these guys. Obviously, Huawei wanting to uh, maintain a foothold in the market, um, wanting to maintain a foothold when it comes to being one of the main providers of network infrastructure, especially in North America. We're talking about a huge uh, market for them. They also wanting to grow their brand as a as a global cell phone competitor to the likes of Apple and and Samsung. How are they trying to counter this concern about security or what are they doing in terms of trying to charm regulators and governments across the Pacific? Well, they are finally opening their doors to the media, which is why I was actually in China. They are inviting journalists on tours of their campus, trying to show them, look, this is our cybersecurity center. We take this very seriously. This is exactly what's going on here. They're really trying to open up to say, look, we're tackling these cybersecurity issues the same way our competitors are. Come on in. We'll show you around. Nothing to see here kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is really interesting because, you know, th- when it comes to their North American business, they don't have a market in the U.S. They're, they've been effectively banned since 2012. And Canada is such a tiny market when you think globally. But Huawei also does a lot of research here. They are very involved with Canadian universities. They really like conducting research here because of the talent that our universities do have. Mm-hmm. Also, it's kind of a bellwether in Canada, right? You know, if if our networks, it, Bell and TELUS currently use their equipment, that's a win for Huawei to say, look, we can we can follow their security standards. We can operate in the West. We can do so successfully. So they are really trying to push that image in order to counter the Americans, which are on this PR campaign to get people to stop using Huawei before the telecoms make their big investment decision for 5G networks, which are going to be absolutely critical networks that will power you know, real-time applications like self-driving cars is the big example that people use. What did you find or how would you describe your experience at their headquarters? I would describe it as very managed. 
we went to see their campus in Shenzhen, which is this, you know, beautiful, meticulously manicured campus with opulent decorations in the digital transformation center, they call it, where they bring all the foreign visitors and um, executives from telecom companies around the world to showcase their equipment. Very much a, um, essentially a hard sell saying, look at all this, all the bells and whistles. We saw a tour of their cybersecurity center where we, I mean, you couldn't really see much because a lot of that was um, engineering related. So you, you see engineers working. But it was it was definitely a very managed tour, which was really trying to show the glossy side of the business. It was um, interesting to me to see how they perceive the media. You know, the almost right off the bat on the tour, the um, Huawei consultant that was giving the tour goes, you know, the media is biased. The media is in the West is very biased against China, very biased against Huawei. So it started off on almost this confrontational note that hmm. I found um, was a kind of a very stark contrast to the gloss and the 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 Ritz that they were trying to show us. So it, it was a it was definitely an interesting experience to visit their campus and see that they are trying very hard to win over the West and win over places like Europe, for instance, as well. It's kind of strange in a way, you know, we in the media like to think we have a lot of sway over public officials or public opinion. And in, in some instances we do, but at the same time, it's an interesting play to try and sway the media to an international company's favor to get them sway with regulators. Why do you think they're taking that tack? I think they finally realize they have a public relations crisis at their hands. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have if you have providers like Bell and TELUS having their customers saying, whoa, 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 we can't trust that equipment, we can't trust that network, that's a really big problem. So they they recognize it's not about the media per se, it's about convincing people that their equipment is safe. And that that's critical from a business perspective. The best argument I've heard when it comes to dealing with um, network security in, in the case of Huawei is that we operate in an environment with a super global supply chain. So no matter which equipment provider you're using, it probably is has parts that are made in China, has engineers that are working in China. So their argument is that, look, if you're worried about China and the government using its equipment to spy, that's not solely tied to Huawei. So I think I think that's a really interesting way to look at it because when it comes to network security in this global environment, you know, if Huawei is banned, are all the networks suddenly secure? I think the answer is very obviously no. Mm -hmm. But they recognize they need to they need to win over some hearts and minds. So the focus here is is potentially customers of these big telecoms in Canada as opposed to governments or regulators or, or, or things like that, right? I think it's both. It's the court of public opinion, right? If the government and regulators in Canada decide to go with infrastructure from Huawei for its 5G network, what is at stake in terms of relations with other countries? There could be a lot at stake. The U.S. has been very vocal in its opposition to using Huawei equipment. Um, there have been some suggestions it will um, 
not cut ties, but it will tr- um, not have as much trust in networks of countries that use 5G equipment. And that's one of the, you know, high stakes, um, high stakes games. It's, it's, um, playing here. So that could be um, a little bit of an issue for Canada, which of course is part of the Five Eyes alliance with the US, Australia, New Zealand, and the UK. You have Australia saying no to Huawei. New Zealand uh, was saying no, but it appears to be reconsidering. And both the UK and Canada have uh, apparatus in place to test Huawei's equipment before it goes into the networks. Mm-hmm. So there, there are different approaches, but certainly that is one of the the factors that you have to think the Canadian government is considering as they're conducting this security review for five G networks. How closely is this all tied also to the case of Meng Wanzhou? You know, the the public could look and say, "Oh, this is there's." Uh, this company executive detained in Canada, and there's a, a, a she's the executive of a company who is suspicious. You know, so is there is there linkage here? Absolutely, I absolutely think there's linkage here. So you know, before December first, when she was arrested in Vancouver, and she's the not only the chief financial officer of Huawei, she's also the daughter of its founder, who is essentially. Steve Jobs in China. You know, this is, she's a big deal. I think before December 1st, I'm not sure many people would recognize Huawei as much of a, as much as they would now, because this case uh, got so much of the spotlight. And it sort of showed how Canada is caught in between these two superpowers, in between the US and China, where you have Canada following through on its extradition treaty with the US as, uh, you know, following the law as it should do. But Think about the pressure that China has put on Canada since then. You have two Canadians who have been detained. You have one Canadian who has had a prison sentence upgraded to a death sentence. There Mm -hmm. has been a variety of trade action against Canada recently in the canola industry. So China's really leaning on Canada here as the country that arrested Meng Wanzhou. The U.S. and China are in the midst of a wider trade war and trying to come to a wider trade agreement there. At one point, President Donald Trump even indicated that, you know, if they could come to a trade deal, we'll reconsider uh, the extradition. Um, So politicized it a little bit. So I think Canada is caught in the middle of this larger trade discussion between the U.S. and China. And her case skyrocketed Huawei into a global brand. Certainly a global brand at home is to something that people are asking a lot of questions about. Where is Canada at in terms of building out its 5G network? Where 5G is at, from a consumer perspective, it's just going to be like a really, really, really fast 4G network. The applications that are really exciting for the telecommunications industry are more industrial. It could be uh, automotive, it could be for manufacturing, it could be for agriculture. So that's the really big business opportunity here. Right now, we're still auctioning off Spectrum, which are the radio frequencies that power mobile communications. Canada's auctioning that off. We still need to do another big round of that in 2020 and then a third round in 2021. Um, But as the airwaves are becoming available, cell phone providers like Bell, Rogers, TELUS, Shaw, 
they are upgrading the equipment in their networks. They haven't done the big spend for 5G, which is instead of the big cell towers that you might think of, 5G networks are going to require a lot of small cells, like thousands and thousands of small cells. So that's that radio access equipment that Huawei makes. Ericsson also makes it. Nokia also makes it. Those are the three biggest competitors. Huawei is the global leader in this equipment. So they're in the process of deciding who they're going to buy this gear from. They are they don't need to buy it right now, but they would like to buy it as soon as possible because if Canada slows down on this 5G build, then we risk falling behind the rest of the world in those exciting applications that the networks are going to power, the self-driving cars and smart cities and all of that. So we are at a, a pretty critical j- junction for the telecoms to make investment decisions. The other huge issue is if the government bans it outright and says, you know, you have to rip up all the Huawei equipment that's already in the networks, that's a material cost for TELUS. It is a material cost for Bell. They have both reported that in their financial statements. It will be a bigger deal for TELUS, but um, this is something that's going to cost real money at a time when telecoms are poised to invest billions of dollars in upgrading their networks. How soon do you think the government could make a decision on Huawei? uh, And how soon do companies want to get building out these networks? If you ask the telecoms, they'd say not soon enough uh, on a government (laughs) decision. Um, But you have to keep in mind too, we're in an election year. And this is a controversial decision. Huawei entered Canada when the Conservative government was in power at a time when the Conservatives were really courting business with China. So um, this is an issue that I don't think the Conservatives want to bring up. I think it's an issue the Liberals aren't super keen to talk a lot about either. And there are a lot of political ramifications at stake given Canada being caught between a rock and a hard place when it comes to uh, dealing with the U.S. and China and the bigger issues there and Canada's own trade relationship with China. On the other hand, you have the telecoms asking the government to make a decision ASAP so we can get these networks built out. So I, um, I to be honest with you, it's a political decision. It was supposed to happen this spring. I have no idea whether <laughs> it is going to even happen before the election. Um you know, there's pressure from the telecoms and they want to see that as soon as possible. But I mean, it's a kind of a political minefield. All right. Emily Jackson, host of uh, Post Media's new podcast, Down to Business. Emily, thanks very much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. 10.3 is produced by Carson Jarama. Thanks to my guest, Emily Jackson. More from her at financialpost.com and check out Down to Business at Apple Podcasts. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.